to see you, Journey. Always awesome. We're in week number six of this series that we're calling Puzzled, uh, putting the pieces of our relationships back together. Um, If you're tracking with us, if you were here last week, we talked about patience. And guess what? We're talking about patience again. So be patient with us. We're going to come at it from a little bit different angle today. We're going to be talking about patience in choosing a relationship. Now, maybe you're out there today and you're thinking, I'm not really looking for a relationship. I have a relationship. Uh, But there are people around you that are. Maybe it's even your kids, your grandkids, your friends. And there are those of you out there that are looking for love, looking for relationships. And this can start when we're actually fairly young. I got a message a while back from a friend of mine. She was here in Bozeman doing her student teaching uh, at a school here. And uh, she sent me this message, it was really cute. She said there was this little boy and she was teaching first graders. There was this little first grade boy that asked her for her phone number. (laughs) He wanted her phone number. I was just thinking that is one gutsy little dude. And so (laughs) she asked, why is it that you want my phone number? And his response was, I think I might want to call you sometime. (laughs) Wow. I was thinking a little bit about her. Uh, Just, she was just cute. She's fun. She's kind. I just thought I can imagine why a little boy would just think that she's just the most amazing thing ever. She shared a little bit with me about how much that meant to her. It made her laugh. It made her day. Uh, And then she ended her message with, I just wanted to let you know that that little boy was your son, Josiah. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. I got some work to do. But finding relationships, it's not just a kid thing. It's not a teenager thing. It's not a college thing. Because of circumstances in life, in our culture, many people are waiting much, much later to get married. Because of divorce, because of death of spouse, we find ourselves at all different ages in this place of what does it look like to date? How do we look for relationships? How do we think about choosing a relationship? How do I involve God in that process with me? Now, you can get out online and you can, there's tons of books that are out there on Christian dating. But here's the thing. It's a little bit difficult to talk about how to date as a Christian because the Bible, our source for truth, was written in a time and cultures where they didn't date the way that we date. It was arranged marriages. Arranged marriages. Do you want to go back there anytime soon? I don't think so. But here's what I think we need to understand is that God's heart is for relationships. God's heart is for intimacy. 
God's heart is for marriage. We need to understand that the Bible, even though it doesn't talk about dating the way we think about it, that it talks about relationships. From the very, very beginning, we know that God's heart is for this. God makes man, and immediately after he makes man, this is what he says, Genesis chapter two, verse 18, the very beginning of the Bible. Then God, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Men out there, we agree, right? Not good for us to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I'm imagining that Adam is like, yes, God's got my back. He's gonna make someone for that is just right for me. Then God does something that I think is incredibly interesting and actually a little bit hilarious. Instead of bringing immediately to Adam this helper that he's promising him, he spends the next season of time parading animals in front of Adam. And he asks him to name them. What do you think is going on in the heart and the mind of Adam? Like, you think your eHarmony matches are bad. Imagine what was going on with Adam. It's like, swipe left, swipe left. I'm lonely, but I'm not hippopotamus lonely. But then God does something amazing, puts Adam to sleep, takes out a rib, makes Eve, brings Eve to him. And now it's bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. God has provided for him. Genesis 2.25 then says, just seven verses later, man was lonely. Seven verses later, it says, now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. In just seven verses, God explains to us his plan for dating. That's how it works. We can all go home now, right? You, no, we can't go home. That's not a roadmap. God, help us. We need more information than that. We need more steps than that. But here's what we've got to hear from that. God's heart is for relationships. God wants to be involved in your relationships. God wants to be the one who can help you arrange your marriage. We are made that way. He has hardwired it, hardwired us for that. But if you know anything about the Bible, you know that we turn the page, Adam, Eve, decide we can do the relationship thing on our own. God, you've told us how to live, but we're gonna take this on our own. Sin enters the world, brokenness enters the world. Brokenness in a relationship with God happens. Brokenness in their relationship with each other happens. And friends, this is the world that we live in today. Brokenness. Brokenness with God, brokenness with each other. And so that's why this series is so important to us. What do we need to do to put the pieces of the relationship back together? Let's, what can we do to redeem what was broken back then? When we think about choosing a relationship, I want us to think about three things today that I think are really important. Things that we need to internalize if we're gonna choose well, if we're gonna think well about choosing a relationship. And the first thing is this, it's focus. You've got to have the right focus. Now oftentimes when I talk with people that are in this 
place of looking for a relationship, they feel like the focus is in the finding. I've got to just look. I've just got to keep looking. I've got to try to find someone. And they make a list. They make this mental list of this is what I'm looking for. And maybe it's a mental list. Maybe they actually even write out the list. And oftentimes, let's just admit it. If you are looking, you've got a list. Online dating doesn't work if there's not lists. People have lists. I think lists are important. Make your list. What would you put on your list? What would be the thing that you want most? What are the qualities and characteristics that would most matter to you? Maybe if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you would want someone that Jesus matters to them. You might want someone who's emotionally healthy. You might want someone who is willing to forgive because we all know we are gonna need to be forgiven. You might want someone that when you look at their life, they just, they serve other people. Life isn't just about them, it's about others. Maybe someone that can connect at a heart level with other people. Maybe it's intelligence, maybe it's a work ethic, maybe it's she can gut an elk. Maybe that's on your list. Maybe that is the thing that you need. Here's what people do with their lists. They make their lists and they put this up in front of them and they begin to pray. They begin to ask God, God, will you find me somebody like this? Please God, find them for me. Here's the focus that I think we need to have. I think we need to do something very, very different with our list. I think we take that list, that important list that you made, and you put it up in front of you, and you don't ask God to find that person for you. You get on your knees and you say, God, will you make me into that kind of a person? God, will you change me so that I can become that? This is how I would define that. To find the right person, you focus on becoming the right person. Let me say that again, I think that's so important. To find the right person, your focus needs to be becoming the right person. So many times we think that the hard work is in the looking. If I could just look harder, if I could just have more options, then everything is gonna be okay. It's not about the looking, it is more about the becoming. Because friends, here's what happens. When we become the right person, we actually get ourselves in a place where we are more prepared to commit to someone. Because when we become the kind of person that we're looking for, there's a greater likelihood that we're gonna be attracted to the right kind of person. And let me say this as well. As you become the person that you want to find you are more able to identify and avoid a lot of the wrong kinds of people. And there are lots of the wrong kind of people out there. Here's the principle that you've got to grab a hold of. Spiritually healthy people, you know who spiritually healthy people are attracted to? They're attracted to spiritually healthy people. Emotionally healthy people, you know who they're attracted to? Emotionally healthy people. Toxic people, you know who they're attracted to? Toxic people. And those that try to rescue them. 
We need to think about how do I become? I need to become. Become the person that the person that I'm looking for, that they are looking for. It's almost a little bit of a tongue twister, but you know what I mean. We've got to become. That needs to be our focus. Becoming, not finding. The second thing is we need to learn to face the facts. Here's the deal. If you have a potential relationship in front of you, you've got to ask some hard questions. You've got to ask and answer some hard questions about, is this the right relationship for me? And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, this is what I think the first question that you need to ask, and it's this. Is this person a committed Christ follower? Now I can imagine that if you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, that what I just said may be offensive to you. You might where do you get off saying something like that? That seems so narrow. That seems so judgmental. Let me say this. I wanna tell you what I am not saying. What I'm not saying is that people that follow Jesus are good and people that don't follow Jesus are bad. I'm not even saying that people that follow Jesus are always healthy and people that don't follow Jesus are unhealthy. I'm not saying that people that follow Jesus are valuable and people that don't follow Jesus are unvaluable. But here's what I am saying. By definition, what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that there's an issue of allegiance. What it means to be a follower of Jesus, I just said, that we say to ourselves, he is my king. He is the one who calls the shots in every area of my life. I've bowed my knee to him. And because he gave his life for me, now I'm giving my life back to him. He has my life. And so the Apostle Paul helps us understand why this is so important that if Jesus is gonna be the voice in our life, why it's so important that we would be tied in a relationship with someone else who cares about that same voice. The Apostle Paul gives us a simple instructions in 2 Corinthians 6.14, and the instruction is this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. We gotta think about that picture. Think about the picture of a yoke. Is that not the cutest couple you've ever seen? <laughs> Two animals yoked together, tied together. There's a commitment there, there's a covenant there. If they're gonna work well together in the field, this picture that Paul gives us, what is the most important thing? They've got to be listening to the same voice. If there's two different people telling them to do two different things, it's gonna cause an incredible amount of frustration. Maybe one asking them to go this way, one asking them to go another direction. One voice. For them to work well, they've got to be listening to one voice. To do it any differently, it would be, almost be like trying to build a house with two different sets of plans. It just doesn't work. And when Jesus talked about what it means to be his follower, to belong to him, he uses this analogy of a sheep and a shepherd. He said, my sheep, my kids, the one that belong to me, they're the ones that hear my voice and they follow me. They don't follow another voice because they don't even recognize it. One voice. So as you're thinking about 
Who would it be that I would want to commit to, that I would want to yoke my life to, to enter into a covenant with? You're asking the question, are they listening to the same shepherd that I'm listening to? Are they listening to another voice? Is this person committed to listening to the voice of Jesus? Second question that we need to ask is, could this person be my best friend? Could this person be my best friend? I wanna share with you how I think we miss this in our culture sometimes. When the New Testament was written, there's many different words that the New Testament writers use to describe love. We just translate that word into English love, but there's many different Greek words. One Greek word for love is eros. When we think of eros, we think about romantic kind of love, where we get the word erotic from, a romance kind of love. There's another kind of love that the Bible talks about that is phileo, phileo, a brotherly kind of love, a friendship kind of love, like Philadelphia, where we have the city of brotherly love. It's this friendship kind of love. Here's the deal. I think in our culture, and I think even in the church, because sometimes we reflect the culture way more than we should, we start with the wrong kind of love. We start with Eros. And when I say that we start with Eros, this is what I mean. We think about attraction. We think about chemistry. Like something happens in my heart, and if it feels right, then it is right. Right? Not always. Not always. We need to ask the question could this person be my best friend? Not just am I attracted to them? Here's what also happens because God has created a design around sex and intimacy and marriage and that sex is designed to be inside the context of a committed marriage relationship. In our culture, many people have just disregarded that completely and we move into these emotionally charged relationships, physically charged relationships. And pretty soon, you have a relationship that looks more like a marriage than a dating relationship. And when we get to the place, if we ever even get to the place where we start asking the question, could this person be my best friend? The waters are completely muddied. There's so many things that are happening in our hearts and in our emotions that it's so difficult for us to discern, could this person be my best friend? Let me say this as bluntly as I can. Sex is not a litmus test for relationship compatibility. It actually has the effect of being able to inhibit and distract relationship development. Sex has the capacity to actually camouflage some of the dysfunctions and deficiencies in relationships. That's why I would say over and over, start with the question, could this person be my best friend? Maybe another way for me to say it would be that romance, romance, that eros, it overpowers objectivity. Before you're married, before you're ready to commit to a long-term relationship, you've got to have objectivity. To not have objectivity is dangerous. You need to be able to be objective. I hope this isn't too blunt, but I'll just say it. Sex is easy. Relationships, friendships are hard. 
Start with friendships. Could this person be my best friend? It's so interesting in our culture, there's this kind of a funny thing that we call the friend zone. Many people have heard of the friend zone. It's this mythical place. Now, maybe it's not mythical, but it's this place where you find yourself in a relationship where you're just resolved that I'm never gonna be anything more than a friend to this person. Nothing romantic is ever gonna happen. And so that you don't wanna get stuck in the friend zone with someone. Man, let me just say this. For my money, I would say the friend zone is the end zone. That's where the touchdown is. That's where you start looking first. Could this person be my best friend? Third question that you need to ask. Can this person make and keep a commitment? Can they make and keep a commitment? When you look at their life, no, nobody's life is perfect, but is there a track record of making and keeping commitments? Do they keep their word? Even in the small things in life. Have you ever experienced deceit with them? Do they have a history of following through on things that they say that they're gonna do? Are they trustworthy? Friends, here's why this is so important. Marriage, at its essence, is a commitment. It is a commitment and a covenant that we make before God and that we make before people. Marriage, at its essence, is a commitment. I love how Tim Keller says it. He says that marriage, marriage is a future appointment that I make with myself. When I'm standing in front of a pastor reciting vows, what I am saying to myself is I'm making a commitment. Five years from now, I'm gonna be right here beside her, right here beside him. 10 years, 20 years, I'm going to be here. It's a future appointment that I make with myself. If someone is not able to commit, friends, you've got to at least start tapping the brakes on that relationship. Can they make and keep commitments? And the best indicator of what a person is gonna do tomorrow is gonna be, what did they do yesterday? Did they make and keep commitments yesterday? then they have a chance that they're gonna do that in the future. Here's what people think. Sometimes I think people think that the wedding's gonna change him. The wedding's gonna change her if he just gets dressed up. Everything's gonna change. Weddings, they break bank accounts. They don't break bad habits. Weddings don't change people. Fourth question that you need to ask. Does this relationship Change me for the better. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. It says, let us think. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Does that describe your relationship? Does it motivate you to acts of love and to doing good things? Does it spur you on as a follower of Jesus? Does it make you want to love God more? Does it make you want to love people more? Or do you feel like there's always this pull, this kind of this dragging feeling like it's pulling you more to be like the world than it is to be like Jesus? I think a great question to ask is do I like who I am when I'm with them? Do I like who I am? 
Do I feel the freedom to be who I am and to be who God is changing me to be when I'm with them? Do they bring out the best in me? Does this relationship change you for the better? Fifth question, are you heading in the same direction in life? Is your life heading in the same direction? Here's something that I've noticed in life. Have you ever noticed how difficult it is to make eye contact with someone that is passing you on the other side of the median? It's really profound, isn't it? (laughs) But you know what I've also noticed? Is that you can actually make eye contact with someone who's passing you. They can be going in the same direction as you, going by, you can actually look over and say, hello, how you doing? Here's the point, I know that's, you're like, okay, where is this going? Please, preacher, please. This is what I believe to be true. God asks us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to become who it is that he is asking us to be, to have a vision for our life that corresponds to his will for us and that our blinders would be on. We are focused on him, going in the direction that he's called us. And with those blinders on, running after him, every once in a while, drop the blinders and look around and ask the question, who's running with me? Who's beside me? And look over there and say, how you doing? (laughs) Who's going in the same direction as you in life? First of all, that means you've got to know where you're going. You've got to know that you are heading in the direction that God has for you. Are you heading in that direction? Are you in the right place? Are you doing the things that God is asking you to do? Last question. This is the last one. Is there a growing affection, attraction, and chemistry? I didn't mean to poo-poo that stuff about chemistry and attraction at the beginning because I think it's important in a relationship. It just is. But I would say it's not what comes first. We allow God to create a friendship for us, allow there to grow affection, attraction, chemistry, and end up in God's kind of commitment, God's kind of love, that third kind of love, agape, which is unconditional love that's based on commitment, not on eros, not on phileo, agape, God's kind of love. The third F in your outline A question that I think you've got to ask is in relationships, what's your foundation? What is your foundation? What is your life resting on? Here's another way I think to ask that very same question. It's kind of this romantic kind of question, but the question is this, who completes you? You know, you you think about those movies and they're just like, they complete me. Here's what I need to say. If we believe that there is another person on this planet that has the capacity to complete us, we're not gonna do well in relationships. And here's what I mean when I say complete. Someone who makes my life whole, who gives me a sense of worth, who gives me a sense of value, If we believe that there's another person on the planet that can accomplish that, we won't do well in relationships. 
Here's what God wants us to understand and understand really clearly that he and he alone has the capacity to complete us. He is the only one that can meet the deepest needs that we have. Those deep, deep needs of significance, of identity, of value, of intimacy. God and God alone is meant to meet those. The love of Christ, friends, the love of Jesus is the only thing big enough and powerful enough to complete us. Because in the gospel of Jesus, in the cross of Jesus, looking at the love of Jesus, he declares, you are valuable to me. I would rather die than live eternity separated from you. You matter to me. It's the gospel that has the power to complete us. Are we willing to trust that? Are we willing to trust God with that? And not say, I feel like I'm running out of time. I feel like I'm running out of options. I feel like I'm running out of hair. I've got to get this taken care of before I completely lose my hair. Are we willing to trust God and say, God, I want you to be the one who arranges my marriage for me. Heavenly Father, would you arrange my marriage for me? A handful of years ago, uh, I shared a message uh, very, very similar to this one. There was a woman out there in the audience. I didn't know her at the time. But as she was out there, she was in a relationship. And as she began to hold that relationship up to some of the things that I was talking about and some of those questions, she just came to the absolute conclusion this relationship is not God's best for me. She left that message, went and talked to him, ended the relationship. That's not my goal for everyone here, that everyone would go out and end relationships. But if God is nudging you, then do it. But here's what I didn't know about this woman, is I knew the man. I knew the man that she was ending the relationship with. Uh, we were kind of more acquaintances. We served on a nonprofit board together. And because of him, because of the ending of this relationship and her talking about how Jesus needed to be the most important thing in her life, it started him asking questions about Jesus. He reached out to me. He knew that I was a pastor. We sat down, we began to have conversations about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it really mean to have a relationship with him? He heard about Jesus and he met Jesus and he gave his life to Jesus and I sat and watched my friend, I watched his life start to be transformed. You know who else got to see his life transform? That woman that was sitting in the audience that day. As he began to grow in his relationship with God, they began to grow back into a relationship with one another. There was this kind of weird, awkward time where he realized that I was the one that preached the message that caused her to kick him to the curb in his word, a little awkward, but he also said, I'm so glad she did. And just to let you know, just the beautiful redemptive nature of God, everything came full circle this summer, years later, when I got to stand in front of this couple, two people whose lives were surrendered to Jesus as they made a lifetime commitment to one another. Let God write your story. Be patient, invite 
God into the choosing of your relationships. Let him write your story. I wanna ask you to set your things aside and go to a time of reflection. I'd like to ask you maybe to reflect on these two things. If you are in a relationship or considering a relationship, would you just ask the Lord, is there something that he would want to say to you about that? And maybe you're here today and you're not looking for a relationship, but maybe would you ask God, would there be someone in your life? Maybe it's a child of yours. Maybe it is a grandchild of yours. Maybe it's a friend of yours that needs to hear this message. Would you talk with them? Would you sit down and have a, a real talk with them? Holy Spirit, I just want to ask you to speak. Lord, I have no idea what it is that you want to say to each individual that's here, but I know that you want to speak. You want to comfort. You want to convict. God, you want to speak to people. We just ask you to do that. Lord, would you show us what our next step is? How to move toward relationship in ways that honor you. And God, we just want to say right now, we are not giving up on arranged marriages. God, we want you to be the one who arranges our marriage for us, arrange our relationships for us. We submit to you. We surrender to you. We ask you to work on our behalf. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.